Good evening, LCM. Tonight is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. My brother Justin and I have the privilege to share our interactions with the word God has been giving to this body. The God of all creation is revealing deep and hidden things to us, not for our enjoyment, but for our continual growth. Can I get an amen? amen. Say righteous oaks. Are y'all becoming righteous oaks? I already knew it. I just wanted to hear you say it. Sunday's message, Husbandry, by pastors Eric and Judah, was an excellent demonstration of digging deep into what seems common in order to get to the root of God's purpose in every area of our lives. Husbandry teaches us about dominion, cultivation, salvation, wisdom, and glory that each of us are partakers of as we care for God's household. Is this being worked into your life? These five areas that we went over, God removing things out and showing you how to implement this in every area of your life. Has anyone else been experiencing a cutting away of deeply rooted rot? Yeah, that's how we grow into righteous mighty oaks. Amen. Y'all sure? Have you been experiencing removing the inclusions? Have you been experiencing the, the grit and the joy that comes from removing the things that God is now showing you. Say amen. Amen. It's a good thing. Praise God for his forbearance, his kindness, and abounding love that draws us near to him with a desire for real continual transformation. That's what this cutting out looks like. Yes, there are things that are being removed, but God is anointing us with his oil of joy. I don't know, Justin. I might be going blind because as I, as I look around, all I see is righteous mighty oaks. Oh, brother, Man. if you're going blind, that'll make two of us. <laughs> because the Lord is continually showing us that as he's, as he's removing these inclusions, he's applying that anointing oil. And it is bringing things back Come to on. life and making us stronger than we were before. Oh, my eyes are being open. So let's turn to Isaiah 61 and we're going to pick up in verse 2. Say mighty oaks when you get there. Verse 3, rather. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called a, a righteous oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Guys, the oil of gladness applied to our hearts keeps us growing strong as oaks of righteousness. Y'all remember that slide that once that oil is applied, then it can begin to heal and grow back even stronger. That's what God's doing in our life. We have been planted by God and he is an intentional husband. Man, we're bringing back husbandry. It's not archaic. That's what it is. We're We're taking that word back. Yeah, it's intentional. Along with all the other words we're taking back. Amen. Yes. And that demonstrates his dominion through us. His cultivation in the fields of our hearts. His Savior who is at work in our life. His wisdom in us. And we become His glory bearers. But church, as we learned on Sunday, before the oil is applied to heal us, something else must first take place. So let's take a look at Isaiah 25, 7-9 to begin to get to the root of this solution. Come on. Now you know, before something is healed... Well, it's the reason that it needs to be healed, right? Isaiah 25, starting in verse 7. On this mountain, 
He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. It's important about the Lord speaking. And we're going to learn about that as we continue. This scripture is one of the clearest pictures that we have in the Tanakh of the hope that Israel had in the resurrection. This is proof of faithful Jews who put their trust in the God who literally makes an entire people sprout from death to life. We've been talking about a lot of things coming, going from death to life, right? We've been talking about this, this harvest cycle, this continuous cultivation that requires something to die so that something may grow from it. Where in Isaiah 25, what you see here is literally people have died and are sprouting from the earth. And this is the hope of all Israel. Oh, church, as we engage with this verse, I don't know about you, but when I thought about those inclusions that the Lord began to reveal this past Sunday, and I started to identify them as the Lord led me, and the removal of the rot that was absolutely necessary. Say that. Say absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Obedience to the things that God is doing in our lives. I mean the cultivation, the removing of the rot. These things are absolutely necessary. But as I thought about that, as I engaged with it, as I let it seep into the fibers of this oak that the Lord is making, man, I started to feel a little death. Things were dying inside of me. And it's removing even more than the dead areas. It's removing a little bit of the light too, but you know what? It's absolutely necessary. Why is it absolutely necessary, you say? Death in us has to give way to resurrection life. This is the process that God's people go to. Amen. The cry that produced the same uh, longing for the resurrection in them, he's doing that in me. He's doing that in us because you know what? It's no, it's no working ourselves around the rot, no. The Lord is helping us to see very plainly where that rot is. And he is faithfully cutting it out of us. Amen. Let's get that next verse. Verse 9. Somebody say, in that day. In that day. In that day. They will say, surely this is our God. Come on. We trusted in him. Now we're trusting. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Lord, we trusted in your process of cutting away the inclusions. Now we're trusting you to apply that healing oil to bring us back to life. Guys, we have to first start there. We have to say, Lord, I know that you're going to be intentional. I know that you're going to be deliberate with identifying these areas of what needs to be cut out, but I also know that you're going to come back and apply that oil so that I will be healed, so that I will grow up strong. Church, loud and proud, who is the they in this passage? Uh, I said on. loud and proud. Come, come on. on. Guys, if it's Israel, they are teaching us. It's always been Israel, and they are teaching us what it looks like to cry aloud to the Father. And who is the Father of Israel? It could be a trick question. Yeah. Because God is the father of Israel, but it's also Abraham. Yeah. And as we open up tonight, we know it's right and fitting to start with the founding of the nation that began with Abraham. So let's turn to Genesis 17. We're going to pick up in verse 1, and we're going to read it in the Amplified, but y'all follow along in your Bible. 
When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, complete. Come on. Who wants to walk and live habitually before God? I do. Yeah, I do too. Before our king, daily we are being made perfect. Abraham walked and lived habitually before God, whether he saw the promises being fulfilled or not. Guys, think about this. Abram, he's walking along, and at some point in his life, he has an encounter with God. And God begins to reveal himself, and Abram shows his trust, shows his faith by being obedient right when he shows up on the scene. Verse 2 says, and I will make my covenant, my solemn pledge between me and you, and, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, as for me, behold, my covenant, my solemn pledge is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. Abraham was interacting with the unseen God. God is calling out right now inside of Abraham. He's giving him a name change. We can learn from the patriarch of Israel who followed the unseen God through difficult and in uncertain times what it looks like to walk faithfully. Sunday, when we talked about a Hebrews 11, and we talked about the way in which we tend to see only with our eyes, only with our natural senses. Did that, did that prick your heart? Yeah. That, that pricked my heart. I, I don't know about you. That moved me because I, I started to realize, no, not started to realize, I knew that God was showing me just how much I can sightsee, move by the way that I see and not by the way the Lord is showing me. But Abraham doesn't do that. God sends Abraham in a direction and for 50 years, Abraham goes in that direction. Now, there are cycles that, that come about in Abraham's life. Three to four times, God had to remind him of the promise. There are times where he tripped up. But Abraham did not stop where he saw his feet. He didn't stop and settle for the things that he saw. He pushed forward. And he is the father of the faith. Pick up in verse 5 and let's see what happens when a man pushes forward. Nor shall your name any longer be Abram, high, exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. Now, Abram couldn't see these children. He couldn't see the fact that his, that his seed would inhabit this entire land. But he walked in the land that God told him to. He settled where God told him to. He cultivated the things that God told him to. Abraham was a dominator, wasn't he? Yeah. Didn't he dominate when he had to? He dominated things in his wife. He dominated uh, his nephew's enemies. He cultivated his wife. He continually cultivated his children. Abraham is a prime example for us of what it looks like to be a glory bearer. But we see cycles in Abraham's life. And you know who else's life we see cycles in? Ours. <laughs> That's right, ours. But it says, I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you a father of many, many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. Now, because we've been learning about uh, the harvest cycles and our pastors are faithfully working this revelation into us, you know that fruitfulness doesn't come without plowing and planting and harvesting. But God is saying what will take place in Abraham's life. Before, before Abram was the father of many nations, he was given the name Abraham. 
Man, does it feel good to get a status change. Talk to me if you've received a status change. I've received a status change, and I've watched you receive continual status changes, a name change, a character change, even before you actually see the full fruition of it. He doesn't see the fruit yet, yet he's already receiving the, the status change. It's like getting a title deed before the debt is paid off. Amen. I'm not talking about no government hand handout. I'm talking about an endowment by our Heavenly Father. God is calling the end from the beginning, and we have a perfect picture of what it looks like in Abraham's life. Amen. Verse 7 says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting solemn pledge to be a God to you and to your posterity after you. So not only does God establish his covenant with Abraham, he's telling him of what he will do for his generations perpetually. What seems impossible and unfathomable is easy for God. Guys, let that sink in. This is easy for God. He doesn't need us, and yet he is asking us, he is allowing us to join him in that. And for us, as we're looking at it, this seems impossible and unfathomable. And we're looking at our, uh, Abraham's looking at the servant and saying, let him, uh, he's the one who's going to inherit all this. And then he's looking at Ishmael and he's saying, let him be the one who inherits all this. And God's saying, no, I know exactly what I, I want to do with you, Abraham. And Abraham is submitting himself to that. Look, I know we're not the only ones who feel the increase of what seems to be insurmountable tasks. Y'all feel that weight? Have, has your uh, flesh been squealing and wanting to wiggle away from that weight? Man, but God's spirit and his word is encouraging us. No, we are going to increase as he is ever increasing. Hey, guess what? The last task that you accomplished for the kingdom, you felt that same feeling. And you accomplished it and you got past it. That should increase your faith. Hey, let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 16. So we're looking at and we're talking about the impossibilities, the insurmountable tasks that Abraham faced and how he handled it. And we have, we have his example, right? But what about what's, in, what's impossible to you? What's insurmountable to you? If we go back and look at the list of five things, as a matter of fact, go ahead and, and put up that list. In those things, were you grappling on Sunday uh, with dead areas, with the, the insurmountable tasks that you were realizing that God is calling you to live up to? Sure. Were you? Yeah. No, pastors were. Let's look at what it depends on, though. This is Romans 4, picking up in 16 in the ESV. That is why it depends on faith. Come on. Not by how you feel, not by what you see, not by what you can measure. It depends on trusting in our Father in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. You see where we get Genesis 17 from. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, he gives life to the dead. Abram his name was Abraham before he actually saw the promise. Sarah's womb was dead. He was wandering through the land as a stranger.
but God gave him life in that promise. And he walked in that life continually. Let's see what else it says. He calls into existence the things that do not exist. Wrap your heart around that. The things that don't exist right now. What are you looking at that, that, that you know God has said that doesn't exist right now? Yeah, he's the one who caused it into being. He's the one who gave you the vision in the first place for it. And he makes these things come to being in us. It depends on faith, church. Trusting in God who can make things grow right out of death. That is why we're not afraid to remove the inclusions. We're not afraid to be a little generous in our portions. Because we know that God is anointing us with his oil and he is bringing life right out of that death. That is the faith of Abraham that we share. This is the kind of faith that can take what is currently dead and make life come forth from it. Husbands. 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 <laughs> In the five areas, can we throw that? Oh, there it is. In those five areas that the pastors mentioned this past Sunday, did you smell the stench of death and rot? As you're going through that and you're saying, man, I know there's areas I have not taken dominion that God said that I would. Man, I know that there are disciples living in my house that God said I would cultivate, and I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like there's something that's deeply rooted that needs to be cut out in order for them to get what they need. Man, I know God has called me to be a savior, right, Tom Powell? Watching our neighbors get saved, but we know there are things that still need to be cut out to really see that produced. What about being sages? That's only you, Paul. That's only you that's working through these things. I don't think so. I'm looking around and I see some righteous mighty oaks, so it's happening in y'all's life too. Yeah, yeah. I know we're not the only ones that the Lord is giving new areas of dominion to take over. I'm talking about workplaces. I'm talking about new areas of spiritual growth in our spouses and in our children. I know we're not the only ones who are realizing that, hey, we have more land to possess that God wants us to, right? See, God is calling us to dominate. Dominate every area that he puts before us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put it before us. He's calling us to continuous cultivation. To get, to get very familiar with the cycles of the harvest, just like Israel did, because their calendar is based off of it. He's calling us to stand up and have courage, fathers, Amen. to have an answer when something comes to you. Come now, the answer has to come from the Lord. But the Lord has put it in front of your face because he has made you the savior of your home. He's made you the savior of your workplace. Paul talked about being sages. He's calling us to walk in this with faithfulness over time so that we can actually become the sages that have life flowing out of their mouths. In this, we are becoming his glory bearers. And it's good. It's a good thing that we see those areas of right. It's a good thing that you feel the sting of death. You know why? Because the God who Abraham trusted was able to give life to what is dead. And he's able to do the same thing in you. Amen. More than that, he calls things into existence in us that don't currently exist. But he is making it so as we trust him. This gives us hope. I'm receiving hope in knowing that, hey, he is the God whether I can see something currently in my life or not, he is the God who calls it into existence. And he's not a passive God. 
He doesn't walk away. He doesn't just say, hey, this is what's going to happen and walk away. No, he is consistently cultivating these things in us just like he's asking us to do. Amen. He did it with Abraham. He did it with Israel, and he will do it again with Israel. Amen. And he is doing it in us now, church. This scripture is the linchpin that serves to unify Jews and Gentiles under the faith of Abraham. Come on. We need to grab hold of that. That it's not just living according to the law, but rather implementing the faith, walking out the same way that Abraham did, that we get to partake, we get to share in these promises. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 16. Say glory bearers when you get there. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Amen. Church, what hope we have of the inward transformation that's being accomplished in us. Guys, we are seeing this happen. We are seeing immediate results as we allow the Lord to do this inside of us. We're allowing things to be changed inwardly rather than just being transformed outwardly. We're being renewed day by day as inclusions are being removed. Man, it's good that God is identifying these areas in our life. Verse 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Guys, the afflictions are light and momentary. Why are we talking about getting our eyes off of what we can see and fixing our eyes on what is unseen? Because what we see, it is painful. It hurts. What's happening in our life, we know that it's real. We know that, it, that it, uh, it's something that is going to produce transformation, but it's painful. But when we set our eyes on things above, we realize these are light and momentary. Yeah. How does a man like Paul and the things that he went through, how does he say that? Because he knows that he's bringing glory to his king. He knows that he's a true son of Abraham who walks in the faith of Abraham. Verse 18 says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What we're standing up here tonight encouraging you with is to let your spiritual eyes be opened. Guys, we're saying, Lord, let it rain. And we're asking the Lord to do something inside of us to rain down his presence, to rain down his spirit on us. It's so that our eyes might be open. We serve a faithful God who calls into existence the things that don't presently exist. As my brother said, first he told you what it is. He gave you the vision. He gave you the promise. But now he's saying it's not there yet. Character is being built inside of you to be able to bear under that promise. As we progress through this message, we want you all to know God is making calculated adjustments to our life, whether we can see it or not. Ain't that right, Spence? It's not spontaneous, right? It's not just happening out of nowhere. God is measured in what he's doing. He's calculated in what he's doing inside of us. The Lord is teaching us to focus on what is unseen in the physical. And as we set our eyes on him, this image and glory are being revealed in us with ever-increasing clarity. Amen. Can we pull up that second slide? All right. Y'all familiar with the term Semper Fidelis? Yeah. Semper Fi? Yeah. I know I am. Okay. Somebody shout out what it means. Okay. Someone shout out what it means. Amen. Y'all familiar with Semper Gumby? No. No. Who knows who Gumby is in here? 
Are y'all showing y'all A's now? That is a little bit more than 50% of the room. That's good. So we ain't going to get deeply into this yet, but we'll, we'll go into it a little bit. Semper Gumby for Marines. Yeah, yeah. Means always flexible. This phrase is often used when you are told to do one thing, then told a different thing, then told to just stand by, then told to go back and to doing the original thing. So tonight, we're going to focus on uh, having a faithfulness that is perpetual. And we're also going to see how it's good to be Semper Gumby as well. As we figure that out, let's turn to Isaiah 41, and we're going to pick up in verse 8. Somebody say Semper Fi when you get there. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Saints, insert yourself into this passage and imagine God is addressing you and referring to your father as his friend. Now imagine he's reminding you of what he has promised you and that it's not fulfilled yet. It's fulfilled in part, but it's not fully there. And he's saying, Abraham, my friend. He's saying, I remember him. Think about what it means to have a friend. Think about that mutual relationship, that mutual, that brotherly love that you have for a friend, someone that you really call a friend. And that's how God is addressing Abraham. And he's reminding them of the, of the promise they have and encouraging them, hey, I remember your father Abraham. He's my friend. This reminds me of Elder Charlie, who's a father to me. I get to partake in Elder Charlie's promises. The promises that the Lord revealed to him and that he's fighting for, I get to join him in that. Man, that excites me. You know, you are significant. The Lord is letting you know in this passage, you are known. You're significant. You've been selected. You're not abandoned. You're not forgotten. How does that make you feel? Come on. Does that make you want to get to work? This will cultivate a faithfulness on your part. That will exterminate abject faithlessness with an extreme prejudice. Ain't that right, Assad? Come on. Extreme prejudice. Private. We're going to slow down. We're going to engage with this for a little bit because this is important. He's saying here that he has not rejected them, that he chose them. But think about when this is taking place in Israel's history. Is this taking place because they are just, just killing it? you know, doing great. This is in the midst of prophesying judgment from Isaiah. This is in the midst of cultivation. Lord, the Lord has some righteous figs in Israel, and, and Isaiah is working to transform more of them. There is continual cultivation happening, and when it seems like the promises of God are forfeit, when it seems like, okay, he, he's done with us, he is reminding them, hey, Remember the relationship I had with your father. I have this same relationship with you. As I was with your father in the midst of his 50 years, in the midst of the continual cultivation, in the midst of the dry seasons, 
as I was with him, so am I with you. Church, the, 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 the weight of that revelation sat on us and impacted us in a special way. Because what it really did, it started to break down all of our fears of performance. All of our worries of, okay, I have to, you know, just do good so God will be pleased with me. I hope I don't find any rot because it means that he's going to throw me away. No. What this does, what this is supposed to do, it's supposed to settle you in what he's told you to do. It's supposed to settle you in who he's called you to be. And once you are settled in knowing the faithfulness of God, once you are settled in knowing the fact that he calls the things that don't currently exist, and he, he calls them into existence, once you're settled in that, man, that sets you to go to work. Amen. You, you, you're looking for that rock. You're searching for it because you know that from that depth, that specific depth, that specific area, God is going to bring forth life. You're telling me that the Lord does not reject me because I am going to war and removing the inclusions? Are you serious? Do you feel like the Lord is rejecting you because you are seeing the inclusions and removing it? No. No, you don't. I'm going to answer for you. No, you don't. This is God's sign of him including you in the promises of Israel. He's not mad at me because I'm striving to take heavenly ground. He's the one who's helping me do it. Give us that slide. What Israel learned to do, when we saw them cry out in, in Isaiah uh, 25, it said, they said, we trusted in him and he saved us. We trusted in the Lord and he saved us. That was not by looking at the current state of things. That was by trusting in the God who is unseen, but he works in you. Amen. Psalm 37.3, this will be an old treasure to some, and it, it's still a, a golden treasure to me. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Now, I kind of gave, gave it away with the slide, and I don't really care. But when you first read enjoy safe pasture, what do you think about? I'm going you know, to sit back and just enjoy the things that God is doing. God is doing it, brother. We even say it. We say God is doing it, and he is. But when we, when we read enjoy safe pasture, this is something that you have to fight for. We have to fight to remove that rot and to get it out of here. We have to fight so that tree grows strong. In the NASB, this says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You mean I'm continually cultivating, not looking, not living by what my eyes see, but cultivating faithfulness? That is what the Lord is telling you, LCM. Cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the God who calls things into existence, trust in the God who brings life from death, do good, and cultivate faithfulness continually. Amen. Go through the cycles. Continue to move the rot. And he's going to do it. We exterminate abject faithlessness aside by trusting in the Lord who brings life from the dead. When the revelation sets in that he has chosen you and not rejected you, this produces a hunger in sons to cultivate faithfulness. Amen. A hunger to go out and sniff out and find every little bit of living, everything that he is bringing up in our job situations, every little bit that he's bringing up as we're learning how to dominate in our home and continually cultivate. Every little bit, we're cultivating faithfulness. Amen. 
Because he has chosen us. He has not rejected us. Just like Adam, God put us here to cultivate faithfulness while he is currently cultivating faithfulness in us. Whether we are plowing, planting, or harvesting, it is glorious. In every bit of the season, wherever you are, if you are in a plowing season, continually plowing, that is glorious. If you are continually planting, that is glorious. Until it's time for the season to change, Pastor Wade. I, I, I listen. And you move into that harvesting season where it's a, little bit, it's a little bit dry. It is glorious because it is what God is using in us to cultivate faithfulness and make us right, mighty right, righteous oaks. Whether we are working to revive our dominance. Men, say revive dominance. Revive dominance. We're going to revive dominance in this house. Amen. And we've been talking a lot like, you know, it's something that you that you don't currently see, but you know God is producing. We know that there is spiritual dominance in this house. Amen. We know that there are righteous and vigorous cultivators in this house. We're talking about having to go to another level and be even more fruitful. And on the topic of sages, it takes time cultivating faithfulness. Do you want somebody to, you know, Operate on your heart like the brothers have said who have been doing this for five minutes. Well, what makes us think we're going to possess the treasures of God that bring life, you know, by addressing it one time. By doing this for a year, two years. Abraham did this for 50 years. And Abraham is the father of the faith. So that is our goal. All, all embedded expectations of how long it takes to be a sage removed. Our goal is continual cultivation like Abraham. Amen. Second Timothy is going to help us with this concept. Turn to Second Timothy 2. And we're going to pick up in verse 3. Say Semper Fidelis as you turn there. Come on, we're going to be faithful always. I'm reading in the ESV. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Let me tell you something. As I thought over what this says, the Lord did, did give me some understanding into this. Can we throw that next slide on the screen? The Young's literal translation says, The laboring husbandman, it behooveth first of the fruits to partake. So you mean to tell me that God is revealing to us what it means to be a husbandman in every area of our life? What it means to cultivate faithfulness in every area? Look, the good soldier, right? He's looking to please his commanding officer. Can there be some affliction there? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are things that need to die off in order for him to be pleasing to his commanding officer. What about for the athlete? Competing according to the rules. Is there going to be some affliction there? Yeah. Is there cultivation that needs to happen in that process? Yeah. Absolutely. What about the farmer? What about that husbandman? We are learning to cultivate in our disciples, in our wives, in our sons, in our, in our daughters constantly. The good soldier. Right. We're going to address some areas in our lives. Are you getting entangled in civilian affairs? Are you more concerned with your ambitions and ways of doing things? You know what that does on the battlefield? It gets people hurt. 
gets you can't, killed. It gets people killed. You can't follow orders, that gets people killed. We're overcoming this inclusion of selfish ambition, amen? amen? To the athlete, are you struggling to keep the commands of God? Are you rebelling against God's standard by looking for shortcuts? Just trying to get an edge on the game? Hey, Paul, what I really want to do, I really want to work to get in, to be a sage. Oh, that sounds like absolutely. When do I get my sage card? That's, that sounds like you're absolving responsibility, brother. Yeah. Man, that leads others astray because we know people are watching us, right? Tonight and this week, God is leading us to cultivate faithfulness to the high standard of his word. Yeah. We're going to run according to the rules. To the farmer, are you leaving work unfinished? Are you leaving areas of your field uncultivated? You're overwhelmed by the work and it's easier to just quit or you want a lighter load? You know what that does? That adds a load to somebody else's life. There's another brother who's coming up alongside you having to pick up the slack. Hey, we're growing in our husbandry, Amen. knowing that our cultivation will produce a harvest that we get to partake in. Amen. The good soldier, the athlete, and the hardworking farmer all know that there's a reward to be gotten, but it takes cultivation of faithfulness to get it. You don't achieve it. You don't uh, get to please your commanding officer if you go your own way. You don't get to win the crown if you don't run according to the rules. And you don't get to eat of the produce as a husbandman if you're not working the field. There's nothing to reap. God has a special way of leading us into cultivating faithfulness. Amen. He proclaims his promises to us. Then he allows us to go through these light and momentary afflictions to develop a character worth receiving the promises. Guys, that's worth saying again. God is allowing us to go through these light and momentary afflictions so that our character is being produced to bear up under the weight of these great promises that he has given us. So we've talked to you up to this point about the faithfulness of God, learning to trust in the unseen God, and to cultivate faithfulness based on knowing of what he said you will be. Based on knowing that he calls things that are not as though they are. We, that's what we've talked about you, talked to you about up to this point. What we now want to do is talk to you about the way in which we cultivate faithfulness. The way in which you get to the promised land. The way in which you do it. Psalm 37, picking up in verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Somebody say delight. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Church, we've heard this passage many times, and our pastors have opened our eyes to the deeper revelations of it. Amen. But when we personally engage with this, as we have, have been engaging with this word over the past couple of weeks. Kind of like I'm doing, leading my pregnant wife through the process. Come on. Yeah. Adding disciples to your home. Yeah. Pressures at work. Yeah. Pressures with family. <laughs> you want me to keep going? Probably could, but we could stop there. You know, we got things like, you know, going from no job to a job. Oh, wow. We got things about seeing areas in which God is, is using this, these situations to create faithfulness in me and my family. What the Lord is, is teaching us to do is to delight in the process. Yes. To be where he has us in the moment. Meaning if I'm, if I'm plowing at this point, I'm plowing. And if I'm harvesting, I'm harvesting. But I'm going to be where the Lord has put me. Amen. And I'm going to delight myself in him. Not in what I can see. I'm going to delight myself in the God who can bring, bring things 
out of death and into life. That is how God wants us to cultivate this faithfulness. That is how we do it with a thankfulness and a praise on our lips. Because we are delighting ourselves in him as we are doing what he's told us to do. There is so much that happens. But it always seems that we're least expecting what happens. There's so much that happens. But you know what doesn't matter? It doesn't matter if we know what's coming next. It doesn't matter if we, if it's meeting up to our expectations. What matters is that we delight ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Bring up that uh, slide again, please. And this is what Justin's talking about when we least expect it and why it doesn't matter. Because when we're talking about always flexible or semper gumby, (laughs) we're talking about being pliable. And when we say delight yourself in the Lord, that is how you can translate it, to be pliable, to let your heart be pliable to God. So we may not know what the next step is. We may not know what God is doing. He's not torturing us. He's not going to tell us to go do something and then go tell us to do something else without a purpose and a plan in mind. See, in the world, this is something that became an unofficial motto because guys are sick and tired of being told to do something and, and sitting around and waiting. See, in the kingdom, though, God has a purpose in that waiting period. He has a purpose while we're cultivating. Something is being produced. There is a faithfulness that's being produced. So he's saying, yes, always be flexible. Always be pliable because I am producing this faithfulness inside of you. I have shown myself to always be faithful to you, and you will always be faithful as you are pliable before me. Ecclesiastes 8.15, we don't have to put that up, but it says, So I commend the enjoyment of life. Because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of life God has given him under the sun. See, we can enjoy these things. We can take delight. We can be pliable as we're working because this is from God. And he is not unaware of what you're going through. He's not unaware of what the next step looks like. He's proven that in Abraham's life. Think about it. Abraham got a promise from God, right? The the promise is going to come through your son, your only son, the one that you love, Isaac. Okay, now go sacrifice him on the mountain. You think uh, Abraham had to be Semper Gumby? Yeah. You you think he wasn't thinking, okay, this is is what you've been telling me all along. This is what we've waited for, and you want me to sacrifice him? No question. Next morning, he gets up, and he gets to it. He's cultivating faithfulness and he's been doing it for years to where you can see that that flexibility you could see him being pliable before God turn with us to 2nd Corinthians 12 7 let's talk about another man who was pliable in the face of death 2nd Corinthians 12 7 starts off saying to keep me from being conceited becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, all the more gladly, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sounds like Paul is... is learning and knowing what it means to be a glory bearer. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. Say, I delight. I delight. I I make myself pliable in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, 
in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, the weaknesses were not Paul's enemies. And you needing to remove the rot, remove the inclusions, those are not your enemies. These weaknesses, these inclusions that, that Paul was having to continually cry out to the Lord for and ask him to remove. These kept him walking and living habitually in the Lord's presence. Amen. Now, in the beginning, when we talked about Abraham, we asked y'all, who wants to walk and live habitually in God's presence? I do. Well, that requires some of us. We have to, to delight ourselves in the weaknesses, delight ourselves in the Lord in whatever he's bringing across our desk. The removal of inclusions are not, I repeat, they are not your enemy. They are the means by which the image and glory of God is being revealed in you. Second Samuel twenty two eighteen. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. What are these powerful enemies in our life that we're facing? It's not external what circumstances. Is, what, is, what are these dormant enemies that we thought might have been dead, but they're actually just asleep? Man, these are the areas that we need to take dominion. What we can see, our perception, that's an enemy to us. Fear-driven decisions, those are enemies to us. What about bitter envy and selfish ambition? Man, that one creeps up so subtly, we don't even realize it, and it's poison within us. And you know it what the Scripture says? The Scripture says if you, have, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, don't deny it. <laughs> don't boast about it and don't deny it. Come on. That is right that the Lord is using circumstances to bring out of you so that he can actually give you life from that death. Amen. Referring back to 2 Corinthians 12, there's very few examples in the word like Paul to show us the true meaning of being pliable under God's hand. Of accepting these weaknesses and receiving them and saying, yes, that grace from God, that is the power that's going to keep me cultivating faithfulness. That is what's going to keep me delighting in where God has me. And think about the promises that, he, that were awaiting him. He was promised prison and persecutions. And that drove him on. That was an encouragement for him. That kept him, every church that he spoke to, he was able to encourage them. Hey, these things are bound to happen. Hey, we're making disciples everywhere. Hey, you cannot enter the kingdom without undergoing these sufferings. That's what kept him driving forward. He was pliable before God, and he was walking faithfully. Something tells me that this is what allowed him to cultivate that faithfulness because God told him ahead of time. If that's a promise and I've heard from God, man, I'm going to take hope in that. Yeah. And, he, and, and I'm also known uh, as a son of Abraham who's God's friend. I'm going to take hope in that. This is how we do it with a joyful heart and a pliable heart. And in my life, in this moment, in my workplace, man, I'm being stretched out in all kinds of ways. I haven't been afflicted the same way that Paul has, but I'm feeling those afflictions. I'm feeling those light and momentary afflictions that, that are prodding at me constantly, and I feel that weight being added. But God is teaching me in this very moment to be pliable before him. This is his doing. This is his working. He is forming me the way that he wants me to be. This is what it looked like in Abraham's life, and this is what we're talking about. He walked and lived faithfully and was perfected by God because he put his trust fully in him. Let's turn to Psalm 37, verse 23, and we're going to read it in the NASB.
The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. You'll see how he is capitalized there. Now, for those of you that want a deeper understanding into this, you can buy one of the pastors, specifically Pastor Eric, some dinner, and they'd be more, happy, more than happy to share with you the deeper meaning of this. What I don't have on a slide, but what I have a picture of that's written in my Bible is LCM, the steps or unfolding of life for a brave, spiritually strong man are prepared, established, and made firm and steadfast by Yahweh. The man will delight in his way and pattern of life. Guys, this is showing us that this is a mutual relationship between us as man and God as our father. That uh, man is delighting in God's ways and God is delighting in the man's way because the man is walking faithfully in his ways. We are glory bearers of God called to teach these ways to others. And this comes by being pliable before God habitually. This is how we become those sages. This is how we become those glory bearers. By saying, Lord, it is your ways that I take delight in. And Lord, I know you take delight in my way and you are fighting on my behalf. And the Lord is with me when I am with him. That is what the friendship looks like. That is what God meant when he was uh, encouraging Israel and calling Abraham his friend. Philippians 1.29 and 30 says, for it has been granted to you. Somebody said granted. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Guys, this is perpetual. This is that habitual walking out of faithfulness. And Paul is saying, I am pliable. You too must be pliable. You too must delight in these things. Guys, this is bringing about salvation in the lives of others, not only for his hearers, but for himself as he walks it out faithfully. As we get ready to close, turn to 2 Samuel 22, picking up in verse 19. God is faithful. He is is bringing life into us while we are currently being cultivated. And what our faithful father wants us to do as we're cultivating faithfulness and he's cultivating it in us, he wants us to light, to delight in him. He wants us to make ourselves pliable in his hands. No matter the circumstance, no matter how you feel in the moment, no matter what your lying eyes are telling you, the Lord is saying, delight yourself in me and go to work. Delight yourself in my character Make yourself pliable in the season that I have you in and cultivate faithfulness because I am the God who brings these things about. 2 Samuel twenty-two nineteen 19 says, they confronted me, these enemies, not your, out, not your outward circumstances, the enemies in you. They want you to drop the work, to stop removing the rot, to get discouraged, to get frustrated. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place, and he rescued me because he delighted in me. LCM, the Lord is delighting in you, and he is bringing you out into a spacious place. We can see more areas of our field to cultivate. 
That's going to mean a greater harvest. The Lord is bringing us out into a spacious place because he is delighting in us to give us his kingdom. The Lord wants your heart. He don't just want your hands. He don't just want you to, you know, rotely do, you know, what he told you to do. He wants all of your heart in it. And that is what he is calling out to in his children. The Lord is saying, delight yourself in me as I am doing what I am doing in you. And you'll find that you, can, you may get through it with a little joy. You may get through it with some praise and with some peace. The Lord says, delight yourself in me. Stand up with us. Like David, we are learning to faithfully follow him and be pliable in everything that he is, he is doing in our lives. This is the same as, as Abraham. We're learning to face the death that we see and have life come from it. Sure, David had to follow the Lord through desert times, through obscurity. He even followed the Lord through death, but he did it faithfully. And he made himself pliable in the Lord's hand. As we make ourselves pliable in this process, and as we cultivate faithfulness, removing the rot, we are becoming those mighty oaks. We will be like our father Abraham and like our older brother Israel. We will always be faithful and always be pliable. As we get ready to close, and we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to get in his presence. We're going to actually engage with the father who called our father his friend. We're going to engage with him like that. And we're going to make ourselves pliable. So if that means that you got to come to the altar to make yourself pliable, amen, do it. What matters is, is that we make ourselves pliable when we walk out of these doors. In whatever season of cultivation the Lord is doing in us. And whatever he's bringing us to, we make ourselves pliable in his hand. Y'all want to do that? Yeah. Mighty God, Lord, we lift our hands to you right now, Father. Lord, we give you all of our hearts, mighty God. Lord God, we say, allow us to make ourselves pliable in your hand, mighty God. Lord God, allow us, Lord God, to do this with joy and with praise in our hearts and on our mouths, mighty God. Lord God, we belong to you, Lord, and we will cultivate the faithfulness that you're showing us to, Lord. We give this time to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.